This is Why Always Us, your weekly dive into all things Manchester City from The Athletic. I'm David Booney. With me for this episode is Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, good. All good. All good. Nice good. and sunny for now. Good to hear. It's, uh, it's been nice, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, for this week's show, we're going to talk about the single most important last-minute goal scored in the year 1999. We've just had the 21st anniversary, but on the 30th of May that year, City rescued themselves from their lowest ever position by equalising in the 95th minute of the playoff final against Gillingham. We'll also be hearing from the goalkeeper that day, Nicky Weaver, as he gives us his memories from that remarkable promotion. And don't forget, with the football's return, you can get all of the great athletic content around City and the rest of the Premier League with a third. 30-day free trial. Sam, what have you got in the pipeline from a from a City point of view? Quite a strong week last week with a you know a, a proper look at the, the makeup of the City squad, which people can hopefully read and enjoy if they haven't already. Um, what else did I do last week? There was something else that was quite big, but I seem to have forgot. Oh yeah, the 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 other big City moment, <laughs> last minute winner, the 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 QPR game. I was going to say of, of all the things you could QPR forget. <laughs> I know it took so much time and dedication and minutes and effort. I can't believe I've forgotten it already. But yes, yeah, because this week, yeah, like I say, more big stuff coming up. So I've got an interview with Dominic Torrent, obviously Pep's old assistant. That should be good to go. I hope tomorrow, but may, if not, then then later in the week. Um, and me and Tom, who you know, we did the to look at the squad together we're looking at some of the potential names that could replace Guardiola and I know I only thought about it this morning and I thought people are going to think this is part of that media agenda of the season's coming back and they're trying to destabilise us by talking about who's going to replace Pep but I mean to be quite honest it's an idea that came out when I did that piece on Cheeky Bagiristan because I think he said there was only two or three or five or six managers that could replace Pep so it gave one of the editors an idea have a proper look who could do that so we're getting all kinds of data to back it up. So it's not just, oh, yeah, he kind of plays in a similar way. It's proper, like, this is how he does it. So, yeah, that should that should be out like later in the week, maybe the weekend as well. So plenty going on. Lovely stuff. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, if you want to try before you buy, then you can currently get a 30-day free trial of The Athletic with the promo code MANCITYPOD. Now, Sam, I was only half joking earlier when I said Dickoff's goal was the most important of 1999, but whatever way you look at it, it's, it's difficult to say that it's not the most important of City's history. It changed the direction of the club, and who knows where they'd be without it today. So let's start our Wembley special by hearing from the former City goalkeeper, Nicky Weaver, talking about that match. We had a big reunion last year for the for the 20 years, and, um, you know, it's unbelievable. It's like half my life. It's, it's, I just can't believe where the time's gone. On one hand, it, you know, it seems like yesterday, but on the other hand, it seems a lifetime ago. And um, but yeah, every time I think back, just you know, fantastic memories. And um, you know, every time I think of it, I've got a huge grin on my face. So, so you were what? You were twenty at the time. Yeah. So it was it was it was the end of my first season playing for City. Um, I, I played fifty five games that year, and I, I never played that many again in, in, in a single season in my career. But yeah, for it to end like that for me, um, it's something that you know I'm very proud of, and you know, something that my family are very proud of as well. It's, um, I mean, it's one of those days that I think City fans of a certain vintage will always talk about. I mean, you've got, you know, the younger fans now will always talk about the Aguero day, but but the fans that were slightly older still always think of, of Dickoff's goal more. I, I, I just, it always seems to be the game that people go back to. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the fact that City obviously are doing so well in recent years, it, it makes it all a little bit more sort of romantic, if you like. Um, the fact that they're winning Premier Leagues and challenging in Europe, and you know, in my opinion, they got the best manager in the world. Um, and it's almost as if that season and that game was the first rung on the ladder to sort of where they are now. So it's a, you know, a huge, huge game and a huge moment in the club's history. And they've almost there's been a few ups and downs since then, but they've almost sort of never looked back since then. 
So let's let's go back to to ninety eight ninety nine. How how come you were how how did you end up in the team at that stage? Well, I'd, I'd signed the the previous year um, from Mansfield Town, and Martin Margaretson and Tommy Wright were the, the goalkeepers in my first season there. So I sort of just played in the reserves, um, and, and then after my first season, Martin Margaretson got released, and I came back for pre season to, to to battle it out with Tommy Wright. And I just assumed that that Tommy, you know, Northern Irish international and you know a good goalkeeper. I just assumed Tommy had start the season, but um, Big Joe threw me in, and um, you know I played every, every game bar one that year. And um, you know I'll always be thankful to, to Big Joe for giving me my chance. Um, and you know, as it turned out, I, I sort of took my chance and never looked back really. Well, it was. I mean, I I also remember you playing in a was it a friendly against Jamaica? Yeah. Where did that? Uh, where was that, that all about? <laughs> That was, I think they was warming up for the World Cup um, and they played against a few teams. So it was at Main Road um, at the end of the season where we'd just been relegated. So it was, um, you know, a game that nobody really wanted to play. But for someone like myself, it was an opportunity um, against a good Jamaican team, the Reggae Boys, as it were, just going into World Cup 98. And uh, yeah, had a decent game that night. And that must have sort of convinced Joe that I was perhaps ready to... Uh, you know, to make my debut the following season, and, and and that's how it turned out. So you, you, I mean, you must have been by the time City got to Wembley that year, you must have felt on top of the world. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was you know difficult. We had some ups and downs early on in the season, but once we got to sort of Christmas time, we, we sort of went on a really good run. I think we only lost one or two games in the last sort of twenty three, twenty four, something like that. So we went into the playoffs, you know, in really uh, in good form, and and you know, once we sort of got there. Um, and stumbled over the over the Wigan game. Which, you know, it wasn't a, there were two classic encounters, but uh, we sort of by hook or crook we ended up at Wembley. And yeah, um, once we got to Wembley, I think it was everybody sort of um, you know thought we were going to win. Little did they know how the game had sort of you know end up turning out. So let's let's talk about the day itself because um, from from memory it was it was an absolutely horrid day weather wise. It was it, it was just like one of the wettest days of the season, surely. Yeah, it was just damp and drab and dull. And I remember we had some rascal suits that the club had fixed us up with. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure who they measured up for mine, but it certainly wasn't me. <laughs> you know, and I remember taking my shades down thinking, well, if you're going out before to have a look at the pitch, you've got to put your shades on at Wembley. But there was no sun at all. But, uh, but yeah, it was um, the, the, the the gap between the, the second leg of the Wigan game and the final sent ages, about 10, 11 days or something. So it was once we got there, we were just desperate to sort of um, to, to get the game underway, and there'd been sort of a huge sort of you know the sort of build up to it in Manchester, um, and as players, we just we just wanted the game to start. So I mean, what what was the atmosphere like ahead of the game? Do you do you remember the whole journey to like down Wembley Way, stuff like that? Yeah, I remember. Um, I mean, I roomed with Lee Crooks, so waking up next to Crooks is not the the prettiest sight in the world. So uh, <laughs> my day didn't get off to a great start, but he'll probably, he'll probably think the same as well. Uh, but yeah, I remember going down Wembley Way on the bus and it was sort of a lot of nervousness around, but a lot of excitement, a lot of apprehension. You just you just want it to, you want to get all the warm-up and everything out of the way because you just want to start playing. Um, and yeah, I just remember it being a sea of blue. Um, I remember, as I said before, walking out and I remember spotting my mum and dad and my family and all my friends and everything. Um, so I'm glad I sort of knew where they were. Um, and yeah, I remember coming out to warm up and probably didn't, you know, only been 20, didn't sort of realise the sort of magnitude of the occasion of the game. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just remember when I come out, the sound of balloons popping was, you know, deafening. Um, and then you have to sort of go and line up, 
you know, across from the Royal Box and everything and meet a few dignitaries and what have you. But really, as a player, you just want to get the game going. Were you nervous before that or, do you, or did you kind of feel excited or what, what was the feeling? Nervous, um, but excited, sort of just wanting the game to start. I mean, I was, you know, I, I felt I was playing well at the time. I'd just broken the club's clean sheet record. So I'd sort of gone into it personally um, in a good vein of form. So I felt good. But obviously, you, you never really know what's going to happen in 90 minutes of football. Um, and to be honest, it was a it was a pretty dour game um, for 80 minutes. The game sort of matched the weather for the first 80 minutes. And then, I mean, obviously, everyone talks about that ending. Um, you, I, I, I think you don't really get the credit you deserve for that game because there were some. There were, I, I remember some decent saves in there. Yeah, I made I made one early on, um, which was pretty routine. Then I made one. I think I made one at one nil. And I just managed to tip it, tip it round the post. Um, and I don't, I don't actually think the referee gave a corner. He gave a goal kick, so I didn't really get credited with that one. Which I think, looking back, was it was a decent save. But um, I mean, I'll hold my hands up. I think I probably should have done better for the second goal. Um, but you know, obviously, what came after that? I mean, two 0 down with sort of no time left at all, a minute left in normal time or whatever it was. Um, you know, <laughs> nobody knew what was going to unfold in the next few minutes. Did you did you honestly think when the second one went in? Did you think that was it? Um, probably deep down, probably. But you, you've always got a chance. And I, I just remember thinking, Man United had done it a few nights before when they came from nowhere. They were absolutely dead and buried, and they scored two late goals. And I just thought, if we can get one, we can get two. Um, and obviously, Kev scored, which you sort of gets forgotten about a bit. Really, Kev's goal. It was a decent finish. Um, but everybody just thought it didn't really even get much of a cheer. I think everybody just thought it was, um, you know, a consolation goal. A lot of the City fans had left at this point. Um, but then a massive, massive thing was when Mark also indicated to the, the fourth official that there was five added minutes um, of injury time. And at this point, they'd taken the two goal scorers off, Carlos Arbor and Bob Taylor, I think, put two more, you know, defensive players on. Um, and yeah, it was all City and obviously... You know, Dickie had missed a few chances throughout the day. Uh, Vince Bartram, their goalkeeper, certainly the busier of the two of us, made some great saves, particularly off Dickie. Um, and then, yeah, right at the death, one fell to Dickie, and um, and yeah, he, he slotted it away. And it'll be, you know, I just remember seeing the net bulge because obviously I'm the other end. I just remember seeing the net, and it's not on, it's not on video, but I remember running the sort of length of the pitch and doing a big belly slide, if you like, a bit of a Clinton <laughs> dive, um, and just couldn't believe it. And then pretty much once that goal had gone in, I, I think it was sort of written in the stars then. Well, it's it's funny because uh, people always look at the Aguero goal on, on 93 minutes 20 or five added minutes and think, well, that, that was really late. But, you know, what? watching this one back, Dickoff actually, he actually scored on it. There was about 10, 15 seconds left. There was not long at all. Yeah, I mean, if he'd have missed that, they'd have, say, they'd have gone over, they'd have goalkeeper took goalkeeper and that would have been it, I think. So, yeah, it's uh, it was literally almost the last kick of the game. And... Uh, yeah, I think that's why one of the reasons why it's remembered so fondly by everybody because it was just so, so dramatic. I mean, the game only came to life when they scored the first goal in like 80, 81 minutes or whatever it was. So, yeah, just uh, absolutely unbelievable uh, to come back from. I mean, they're high-fiving. When you watch it back, they're all laughing and joking on the bench. They're high-fiving. The commentators are saying they've done it. And it was literally, we, we were dead and buried. Um, and it's sort of, I, I don't think in my career... Uh, you know, which is sort of 20 years, I don't think um, I came back from 2-0 down that late on ever again. 
It's incredible. Um, let, let's talk penalties uh, because um, obviously, was it you saved? You saved two and they missed one. Yeah, I mean a big thing in the penalties. Um, it was at the city end. So suddenly, you know, I must have looked a little bit bigger and the goal must have looked a little bit smaller. You know, if I was a Gillingham player, or a city player for that, but I don't think I'd have fancied taking one. Um, but yeah, fortunately, I saved the first one, which put us on a good footing. Um, and yeah, and I always feel a bit sorry for Kev. And whenever we're all together or I'm with Kev, he always, he always mentions that Dickie gets all the credit for scoring the goal, but Dickie actually missed his penalty. <laughs> Kev, Kev scored in the game and scored his penalty, but no one ever really gives Kevin a mention. So, uh, so I remember in the build-up to the game, we, Big Joe had us really well drilled. We practiced penalties every day after training and Dickie never missed. I knew exactly where we were going every day and I never saved one of them. And it, it was like a tennis ball machine. He just went up to it, opened his foot up and just slotted it in that keeper's bottom left corner. Um, and so when Dickie went up, I remember stood near the linesman and I'd almost given Dickie the goal before he'd taken it because he was that consistent in the build-up to it. Um, so, yeah, and then obviously, they, I mean, they, they ended up taking four penalties and only scoring one. So they missed the target with the next one. Um, I mean, Richard Edgell scored and Edgell wasn't famed for his, you know, goal-scoring <laughs> prowess, uh, which was, a, you know, three keepers wouldn't have saved Edges at underside of the crossbar. Terry Cook scored. Um and yeah, it came down to the, the the final penalty, and and I just remember um, saying to the, the the linesman, you know, if I save this one, is that it? And he said, yeah. I said, you sure? He said, yeah. And then you know, once I saw Guy Butter step up left footed, I thought I'll dive to my left, and you know, he didn't he didn't put it right in the corner, but he got a good connection on it and, and hit it hard. And fortunately, I, I guessed the right way and uh, and kept it out. Well, talk us talk us through what happened next because I, I imagine as you know, as someone who's now retired and, and gone into coaching, it, you look back at it and think it must just be youthful exuberance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I had nothing planned. Um, I just remember saving it and waving the lads over. I pulled a face that I'd never pulled before or since. Um, and as the lads sort of getting closer, I didn't want the feeling to sort of end. So, as you could back then, I hopped over the advertising boards around the sort of gravelly bit behind the goal and I can only think I went that way because my mum and dad and my brother and all my family and friends were all in that corner um, so I can only think I sort of went towards them and then obviously up, up back over the advertising boards and kept on going it was only you know big Andy Morrison that stopped me um, and, and the last thing that I wanted uh, was a 20-man pylon but that's what happened and, uh, <laughs> you know I'm not telling you what I said to big Andy at the bottom of that but I was sort of struggling for air at one bit I mean I think Dickie has been on record as saying he thought it, I was going to need oxygen at one bit. I was sort of, you know, whining and wheezing and all sorts. But uh, yeah, just just great memories. And, you know, the celebration, people ask me about it all the time. So, I, you know, we're talking about it now 21 years later. So I, I'm supposed I'm glad, I'm glad I did it. What was it like in the dressing room afterwards? Because I, I, I can only imagine either it was absolute party time or everybody was just like just dead after what had happened. Yeah, I mean, I missed the bit of the dressing room because I I got whisked straight off to a press conference with Joe Royal. Um, and I can honestly say it's the only press conference that I've ever been to with a can of lager in my hand. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I come back in the dressing room and it was pretty dead. I'll be honest, everyone was just shattered. And, um, and yeah, even afterwards, it was like, I mean, obviously we're happy and unclad, but the game had taken so much out of us. Um, and obviously the celebrations and everything and, it was just draining. And I can honestly say it probably took me, you know, three or four weeks to actually just settle down and calm down and, and feel normal again. It really did take its toll on me. Um, 
you know, and it, it was just a, a a huge occasion, and it, it take a lot of coming down for, from, you know. Before the game, did anybody uh, from the club explain to the players just how how crucial it was? Were, were you aware of what would happen if City hadn't gone up that season, for instance? Um, me as a young player, probably not. Um, some of the older players might have been a little bit more aware. No one actually sat us down and told us how important it was. Obviously, the sort of the playoff games are the biggest games in football because the shape the clubs. It's not like an FA Cup final. It's great if you win the cup, but there's not really any consequences. Obviously, there was huge consequences if we didn't win this game, and which we only really found out um, in, in years years after the game. But uh, but yeah, from my point of view, we never felt that it was like a. Listen, it's a must-win game. It's, it is, but I never really knew the consequences if we didn't win. Do you do you take it as one of your most treasured football memories now? You, you know, end of your first season, it, it must just be a dream to finish your first season like that. Yeah, just, I mean, there's a single moment, you know, I mean, I suppose everything for me after that was downhill because it just, as a single moment, it, it, it's just it's just the absolute, you know, pinnacle of my career. Um, one that, you know, I'm hugely proud of to have played, you know, a small part in the club's history. And, uh, yeah, just, just, just amazing memories, amazing times. And, you know, not only that, we backed it up yet next year with another promotion as well. So it was, for me, as a young goalkeeper breaking into the team at City um, for the first three or four years, it was just absolutely fantastic. And you don't really appreciate it at the time. I don't even think you appreciate it later on in your career. I only think you really, you know, appreciate it when you've, when you've retired, which I've done now, obviously. And, uh, yeah, it's something that whenever I'm in Manchester, it's all people want to talk to me about. I do lots of interviews and press stuff and podcasts about it and stuff. And, you know, I, I never get bored of talking about it. And, uh, yeah, just like I said, it's sort of, you know, goose pimples sort of, you know, every time you talk about it. So, yeah, just, just fantastic memories from my point of view. Well, I'll, uh, I'll never get bored of listening about it either. So uh, I think we're both in good company there, Nicky. Thank you very much for joining us today. Been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I don't know about you, Sam. I could listen to him talk about that all day. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure you. I could listen to you asking him all day, and I'm sure you could ask him all day as well. Yeah. I, well, the thing is, like, it's his proper. Like, I've spoken to to Nicky recently about all kinds of different stuff, and I kind of took the liberty while I was speaking to him to speak about a few different players that he's played with. So we can speak about you know everything from his time there. He's a really good talker, but that is the routine, isn't it? You know, that is what when he picks up the phone or when he when he speaks to an audience, that is what people want to know when he mentioned there how he gets asked about the celebration even now and I asked him about it the other week you know so but he, he obviously doesn't mind as well he he loves doing it I think he really enjoys the time that he, he gets to to speak about it um, you know I think City use him to do it officially as well they've had him on those watch-alongs as well recently for different games so yeah he, he loves it he's a great storyteller and obviously that's quite a story to tell he's just he's just great fun um did it did it ever did it register with you what had even happened to City that season well, I mean, like, not obviously not with the magnitude that we know now, because obviously, you know, ten years later than that, it obviously took on greater significance. And obviously, as every as every year passes by beyond that, and every trophy ticks by, it kind of gets bigger and bigger. And as you mentioned, the most important goal in, in City's history, it, it probably is. Or well, again, it's going up head to head against the Guerrero <laughs> one. But yeah, because of obviously the fact that it came first, and what would have happened if it hadn't been scored. Um, then obviously it, it is that big. And, you know, I mean, did I read you at the time? I mean, yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, at the time it was, okay, well, it wasn't even, you know, to get back into the Premier League, was it? So obviously we know now in the fullness of time how important it was. But at the time it was, well, okay. And But, you know, that it wasn't unusual for City to go up and, 
and then come back down again. And obviously that did happen a few times anyway. So it wasn't like it was the definitive, like, right, they're back in the Premier League and this is it now. Because obviously they went up again and they went back down again and then came back up again. And so, you know, at the time, it obviously wasn't quite so big outside City. But obviously, never never mind the magnitude of it. Just think about the night, well, the 120 minutes, the penalties. Yeah. You know, that as a day out, you know, as a, as a moment, as a memory for fans, then obviously it's... It's huge. It's it's one of those weird things where I I don't know. I maybe maybe I'm I, when I look at it with my fan hat on. I don't know if I uh, I don't know if I have a, a kind of a different relationship with it because a, a lot of fans. You know you know you get that question all the time that says if there's one sporting moment what would you that you could relive what would it yeah. be? Um, and and a lot of fans always say like either that dick off goal or the Aguero goal. I always think actually you know what up until that point I was having a dreadful day. I was having an absolutely dreadful day. I was hating every minute of it up until that the, the equaliser, and it's because, and I suppose it's it's the very unlikely nature of it means that that you just kind of go, well, yeah, that's that's the one I'd want to relive. But actually, I don't want to relive the eighty or so minutes before it. <laughs> well, yeah, that uh, as as Nicky said, obviously it wasn't a great game either, but obviously it was really nerve-wracking the Aguero one especially like how many times have we all seen that back recently and I've watched it back a few times and highlights and stuff recently especially for the article I've just done but yeah that looked horrifying as well and it's a bit like funny you mentioned that it's like people always say oh yeah the two best days of my life or you know if, if they're talking about a football moment it's oh yeah it's the best day of my life apart from my wedding day and the birth of my kids but I went into the <laughs> you know I went into like the birth of my first child thinking well, not that this is going to be great, but oh yeah, you know, it will be something you can look back on. I didn't look back on that fondly at all. It's exactly the same way as you were talking about <laughs> it. Like, obviously the moment he's out, it's amazing. But Christ, before that, and it's not 80 minutes. It's like 12 hours if you're lucky. 15 hours, <laughs> more 20, whatever. So yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. It's exactly the same kind of thing. Like, you want to you want to relive the moment. But that's the best thing about it. You, you need to experience that, that pain. You need, and even when you watch it back, how many times... Have we been in the Etihad? And on the big screen, they've got the Dickov goal or the Aguero goal. And you get desensitised to it in a way. But then if you sit down and you watch the whole game or even like long highlights and you've got the commentary as it is at the time, talking about what's going on elsewhere in the case of the Aguero goal. And when you immerse yourself in the context of it, that's when it's it's amazing. But yeah, God, to, to, to be able to relive that with no prior knowledge, it would be amazing in the end, but... Well, it's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it, what it's, makes it's it so the, special. It's that no prior knowledge thing because you don't know it's going to turn out all exactly, right. So exactly. for when, I mean, I... I don't want to. I don't want to over egg the pudding too much, but I remember quite distinctly. I've not got very. I've not got a lot of memories of of, of being at City games before that game. Uh, that season's product probably the first one that I remember quite a lot of the games that I was at. Um, and I remember being at Wembley that day, and the second one went in, and I started crying because I was thinking, right, that, that's it. And I, I was crying for two reasons. The first one was that City weren't going to get promoted, but the second one is I was on a school. I, 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 like my dad had picked me up from a school trip in Anglesey um, to, to drive us to Wembley. He'd done about eight hundred miles that weekend to pick me up and drop me off. Oh. Um, but I was I was sharing a tent with with United fans from my school who. Okay heard you know the week before United just won the European Cup in the last minute yeah so all and you, that... and you were what 25 at this point <laughs> come on man I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit older than you but not that's that much of, that's one of my favorite jokes anyway, carry on. <laughs> um so so yeah we I, I, so I burst into tears and uh and my mum's going it's you know it's all it's all right that they, they might they, they might still do it and I'm, and I'm thinking you know as well as I do that they're not going to do this and then yeah. Kevin Horlock scores and I'm I, I'm worse because I'm thinking that selfish little 
<laughs> you know, just made us think like it's the Jekko moment. It makes you think it might just happen. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose um Horlock and, and Zeko are very similar in that really. Obviously Nikki talking there about the fact that nobody really mentions um Kevin with the the goal and the penalty he scored, whereas Dickie as he calls him, which I enjoyed. <laughs> Dickie missed. Um, I suppose Zeko's the same thing. Obviously, City fans still love him and still sing for him, which is one of the few City former City players that still get sung about. So that goes to show how important it was. But still, you know, when with with the Aguero moment, everything gets eclipsed. So yeah, I know what you mean. That kind of that late hope, and isn't it frustrating as well when people say, "Oh, don't this might happen." You just look at them and go, "Obviously, yeah. it isn't going to happen." Like, why would you even say that? And then, all, all, although you feel stupid when it does happen, you still think you got really lucky there because you yeah. had no faith whatsoever that that was actually going to happen. Yeah, there, there's, there was one moment where um, I, I don't know why this has just popped into my head, but we'll go with it. Um, yeah. Javier, Javier Garrido, do you remember him? Um, stood, to interview him, would you believe? Didn't hear anything back. Stood, uh, stood up to take a free kick uh, for City against Liverpool. He'd never scored for City before. Um, and I, I'd, I'd said quite proudly in my block at the Etihad, well, my worries, he's going to have a he's going to have a shot from here. And then he goes and pops it in the top corner. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember, I think it might have been Pep's first season. It might have even been Pellegrini's last, but I was sat next to John Smith um, uh, of ESPN at the time, now at goal. And I think... Like Cliche brought it, a shot down, like right in the corner of the box, and I just went, "What?" I as it was happening in slow motion, <laughs> I went, "What's the point in him shooting from here? This is going to be awful." And he banged it in the bottom corner. So, yeah. Oh, it, yeah, always happened, never, happened never predict. And the, the famous company one, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah, never, never predict the football. There's probably something in that, you know, the unlikely goal scorers. Um, yeah. Just looking back at, at, at that at that Gillingham game and the Dick off goal, am, am I right to call it the most important goal in City's history? I, th- um, I think so. Because if we talk about the Aguero goal for now, because you think if that didn't happen, I mean, can you imagine what would be said about City, you know, to get so close, but then effectively it would be bottling it, wouldn't it? Yeah. So we don't know if they, you know, we don't know if they would have come back the next year and done it again. You know, the motivation may have been greater, but it's easy It's easy to say that that would have caused, you know, like lasting, well, maybe not lasting, but, you know, significant kind of damage to what they were trying to do. And it may have set them back, you know, I don't know, you know, it may have unraveled with Mancini even quicker because obviously even with that success, it unraveled to the point where he fell out with a lot of the players and had to go, obviously, which undermined the FA Cup final. But if that had happened even sooner, you know, it might have been a different manager at the time and, you know, without a, a kind of winning legacy to go on, you know, the Aguero goal is hugely important in its own right. But yeah, you talk about going back to, to 99 and if that hadn't have happened, then... Yeah, again, if City have stayed in that division, then does the takeover ever happen? You know, does the Aguero moment ever get close to even happening? Probably not. So, like I say, it wasn't like the definitive promotion in City's history. It wasn't. It wasn't like they were back for good then, and they built on that. But still, if it hadn't have happened, again, everything that ha- happened after that, it's even more unlikely to have happened than it would have been if Aguero hadn't scored that, because maybe if City hadn't have won the title in 2012, even if they'd have had that bottler's tag for a bit, they might have won it the year after, the year after that, or they might have somehow got Guardiola that summer or whatever, you know. They well, they, I, I was going to say they'd, they'd have still been intent on getting Guardiola as well. Yeah, and they, they so. still would have had kind of, you know, the resources as well, don't forget, because obviously, and not just when City in that season, but obviously after that, they were struggling a bit financially and having to keep things going, which I kind of got into a bit during the George Ware article we did last week as well. Um, so yeah, at the time, just the whole the position of the club, it wouldn't have been quite, you know, quite so healthy, really. So it it probably is. 
I, I'm sure you could probably go back even further, hundred years, and say there was another goal than this. But, <laughs> yeah. but I'm I'm sure that 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 has to eclipse everything just because of just again, like I said right at the start, yeah, everything that's happened in the last twenty years has made that even more important than it was at the time. Yeah, I remember speaking to David Bernstein, who was um, City chairman at the time, as now previous chairman of the FA as well. Um, he he was saying about. Like, like he didn't feel like it, like it would send City out of business if they if, if if they didn't go up that year. But every year that you don't go up, it gets harder and harder to do it. And then, like, you look at all those famous names now that are dogging around League One and the Championship, just yes, not able exactly. to get back Very into the Premier League. Very good point. Um, yeah, and, and, but that that's that's just why it's so important, really. And that's why, again, to to be fair to City in terms of using former players for whatever way, and obviously with the whole CFG thing, they've they've found a way to get. Know, a proper tangible use on the football inside out of even people like Vieira and Arteta, who arguably you would say Arsenal should have used. Yeah. So that goes to show how well City have done it. Um, and obviously, by the sounds of it, over the weekend, there was some kind of conversation about company maybe being the number two and or maybe doing something with City in future. Um, but yeah, with these guys, they're just well looked after. And again, I've spoken to former players, you know, I've spoken to Peter Barnes a few times and, and recently as well. And these guys, they do get looked after by City. And Obviously, the FA Cup final last year was it the whole, the whole team was it from '69? They they went down on the day, um, you know. And yeah, City look after these guys really well, and they look after the people who, who who've played such a big role in in their history, which is uh, which is really good. Have you watched all the uh, all the '99 team trying to recreate that goal? No, I heard about it actually. <laughs> I saw it in passing, and I thought, hold on. Uh, no, I haven't. It's, um, it's it's well worth a watch because it's it's like. Uh, do you remember Badil and Skinner when they did yeah, yeah, uh, Phoenix? Yeah. It was exactly like Phoenix from the Flames. It's fantastic. <laughs> None no, of them but, can really no, move no like they used to be able to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but that, that's the beauty of it. Fair play to Badil and Skinner for blazing that, blazing that trail. Anyway. <laughs> um, I, 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 in a str- in a strange way, with this with this thick off goal, given how long ago it happened now, twenty one years, is there a danger that that the current generation of young City fans don't kind of don't realise where City were and how and, and, and as recently as uh, as they were as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and, and again, part of that is because of the Aguero goal. That kind of does eclipse everything. But also, that's it's just it's just a, it's just a modern thing, you know. It's like recency bias and all of this. But you know, everything that happens, especially before you were born, it's just so difficult to to put into words, and it's so difficult to believe as well because you've always heard. You know, grandparents or whatever going, oh, yeah, he was a really good player or whatever. And you go, oh, yeah, okay, well, he's not like Ronaldo or whoever, you know, is, is knocking on at the time. But again, I'm kind of feeling this now. So I've started writing a diary for my son because, and I'm feeling old because I'm like, oh, you, you know, there's this great player. He's Lionel Messi. He's just so good. I'll show you 10, 20 <laughs> year older kind of thing. But I just think he's going to look at me and be like, well, he's not as good as Jaden Sancho or whatever. You know what I mean? If it's like seven or eight years in, yeah. in the future. So, yeah, exactly. You go back to that. It's so different. You know, the football's so different. It's, and especially like it's not even like you know we mentioned ninety nine and you, you've obviously joked about the most important goal scored in ninety nine but with Man United it's like well I suppose Solskjaer is actually the manager now so there's that link but also yeah you know, it was a winning team then and it was you know the same division still the Premier League still the Champions League and it's easy to imagine but with City then you think yeah, fans the, the, now think the competition what, doesn't even exist what, the third yeah exactly <laughs> like, so they go what so that was Division Two so is that League Two now go no no it's League One and it, it's just it's so different and it, it's just so far removed and obviously City are so good now as well the other thing with United is it's easy to look back because there's not a lot to be celebrating now but City got so much to celebrate now and have had for the last 10 years that new fans who may be 18, 19, 20 now whether in England or all around the world or obviously even younger 
maybe there might just be 10. They've got great things they can remember happening right now. So yeah, I mean, there is, there is a danger of it kind of fading into the sands of time, but that's, you know, that's not that's not a City thing. That's, that's life, that's, isn't that's it? That's <laughs> just life. And like, like I say, but with City taking care of these guys who have served them so well, they are doing, I suppose we are doing with things like this, and everyone's doing nostalgia things in this pandemic, but everyone's doing their bit to kind of keep that memory alive. And that's all you can do because, yeah, things move on. Yeah, um, I've got some uh, some little little quirks of city's history, and I, I I don't believe in superstition, so I'm not a I'm not the sort of person that says things like oh it's a sign or or anything like that. Um, but there you, you can't get away from the fact that that to get relegated to city's lowest ever point. So the the season before that Wembley goal, um, they drew with QPR at Main Road, and then they beat Stoke at uh, at the Britannia Stadium and still went down. Then in the Sheikh Mansour era, the first trophy is the FA Cup win against Stoke. They first win the title against Queen's Park Rangers and they do it with two goals in stoppage time. If that's not like a mirror in between City's best and worst era, I don't know what is. And it's, you know, when you, if you put it together like a documentary or something like this, you can, you can kind of you romanticise it quite easily with stuff like that, couldn't you? Oh, I do that. I do ro- I do <laughs> romanticise very easily. I'm not... Well, to, I'm not... To, be, to be fair, for me as a writer, like when I was reading writing this Dominic Torrent article today, I was like... It seems quite generous on him. And when I wrote the Cheeky Bagheerastan thing as well, I was like, does this just sound like I'm just saying he's really good? And it's like, well, at the end of the day, I mean, he is really good. And, yeah. you, and you took the punt on Guardiola 11 years ago and nobody was asked. You know, you deserve credit for that. And also, you know, he built the team before that. So you kind of give, got to give people their due. But yeah, especially with this kind of thing, it just seems to fit so nicely, so much symmetry to it. You think, yeah, you, it is easy to romanticise. Yeah. Um, a quick little bit of trivia. Uh, do you know the first player born after the playoff final to play for City? Ha, no, I don't. Um, but I'm gonna. So what? That would have to be. Uh, it, or two thousand. Yeah, so. it was. It was the thirtieth so of May, ninety nine. So it's a. I think. I think he was born in ninety nine. This guy. Let me just double check. Yeah. So that's not. I mean, my obvious guess would have been Foden, but it's not. Uh, it's Brahim Diaz. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say if it's not Foden, it'd be someone else. Like that kind of era. But to be fair, I probably would have gone. Another another couple of years up, I probably would have thought somebody more like not Brandon Barker because I know he's twenty four ish now, but you know somebody somebody like that. But, yeah, okay, uh, Diaz born born two months after the playoff final. Foden's actually the first player to score for City yeah. after the uh, after the final. Okay, there we go. Yeah, and and again, to, you know, talking about think you know people moving on and moving past that. You've now got somebody who wasn't even born for it scoring for City, and you know, people, fans, City fans love Foden. He wasn't even born, so that's another well reminder <laughs> of how old we are. As much as anything else. Uh, I have to finish on uh, one question about that game. Um, what do you think of the kit? Uh, well, yeah, it's funny actually because um, yeah, today Tuesday I've got an article up on City's best kits of the last twenty years. So obviously, it doesn't include this, but it's funny because you can have some horrible kits, and I've, I'm I'm going to say it was a horrible kit. You know, the design itself, but it's funny how kits take on an extra significance if they're linked to a success or a game or something like that. And this is prime example of that because it's not a particularly nice kit but it's still being remade now you can still buy um um you know um replicas of it sorry there we go and you still see people wearing it around the etihad and it's not because it's nice it's because it's it's, it brings back good memories so yeah well i mean what's i think about it it's it's not a nice design and if it hadn't gone up that year you wouldn't see anybody still wearing it now but obviously because of it's such a big moment um, yeah, you, you still see it everywhere, but that's a nice, handy way to get a plug in from my kids' article. Well. <laughs> if they'd if they'd worn the home shirt that day, nobody would care about that away kit. That's that's my no, take yeah, exactly that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's abs- Honestly, people say it's a, it's a great kit. It's absolutely it, it's horrible. I can't I can't 
say anything, any any good words about it other than the fact that City won an iconic game in it. Imagine City win the treble next year in that in that Paisley kit. Is that what it's called, Paisley? I've no idea. I've, that, I, that, the third shirt, which I quite like, but it doesn't like a Ted Baker shirt that your dad would wear. I know you like it. Fair play to him for trying something <laughs> new, but I can see why everybody hates it, to be fair. But if, if City win the treble in that kit, people would be wearing it for 100 years. Yeah, of course they would. Of course they would. Um, right, well, that's it for this week's Why Always Us. You've been listening to Sam Lee. Thanks very much. And to me, David Mooney. Uh, if you'd like to get some ad-free podcasts, then make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. You can get a 30-day free trial now by using the code MANCITYPOD. Music